We continue our conversation about transition. And uh, so many of you are in transitions in your life personally. Of course, we have been in our church, but uh, I, I'm going to focus today on the transitions in your own uh, personal lives. And, and um, the, the, the challenge in, in uh, transitions is that uh, you can't get away from them, number one. Number two, they're typically with other people. And uh, this morning, I, I brought in a, a little uh, show and tell. This is a jar of popcorn. And I looked at this jar of popcorn. I think, man, isn't this in life this way that's, that, you're, that we're all kind of stuck together? And sometimes you're going through a transition. It's a wonderful sound, isn't it? A transition together. And there's a funny thing about popcorn that when you look at, you look at it and you pour it in your air popper or wherever you're going to pop, uh, there's something that's, that's uh, uh, predictable. Every time you pop popcorn, there are those kernels that don't pop. Now, if you looked at this and you try to say, hey, you know, I'm kind of burned out with, you know, not poppable popcorn and the kernels that don't pop. So I'm going to lay all these out on the table. And before I pop it, I'm going to take the ones that don't pop out. Well, that'd be impossible. That's the problem. You don't know which ones are going to pop and which ones are not pop until you apply the heat. And I think it's kind of like us in a transition. When you go through a transition, you don't know really who you're going to be until the heat is applied. Now, I know you think in your mind, just like I do, I am the most perfect saint on the, on the earth. And I am. Uh, actually, no, I'm just kidding. And man, when, when hardship comes and transition comes, man, I am going to handle it. I'm going to pop like popcorn. It's just going to do exactly what it's supposed to do and execute perfectly. And sometimes we just think, man, there it is. And then through that heat somewhere, it doesn't pop. And we're surprised at sometimes who we are in transitions. Have you ever been there? We, we have everything neat and tidy. In fact, I saw this picture on Facebook the other day. I thought I'd bring it to you. This beautiful little girl's going to school. Look how nice. She's got a little bow in her hair. She's got the school uniform on. She's got the, you know, the, the neat little tie, the, you know, the little the socks and the shoes and the little skirt. I mean, just beautiful. Meanwhile, though, at the end of the day, this is how she came home. <laughs> and uh, that, there it is right there. That, I, you know, I'm coming into a transition, and I think I'm going to come out exactly the same. <laughs> the question is, who will you be? Who will you be in a transition? Today, we're going to look at one of the most pivotal transitions in the history of the Bible. If you don't know the story, it's the Israelites. They were God's focus for centuries, and God had them migrating from one place to the next. A few weeks ago, we looked in a, in a chapter in the Bible, a book in the Bible called Numbers, and, and particularly in Numbers chapter 10, because Numbers chapter 10 represents them kind of moving out from a sacred space. Everything was neat and tidy. God had arranged for them to be there at the foot of Mount Sinai. And, uh, and God had spoken to Moses, and, and, and many things were going great, and God said, now it's time to, to move. When they began to move, things began to become predictably not so great. In Numbers chapter 11, the very next chapter, the very next mile in the journey, all of a sudden, everybody was, was complaining about the cuisine. 
didn't have enough of it. They remembered how great it was in the past. And then God, if you remember, if you know the story at all, said he sent more quail than a whole population could eat. The very next mile of the journey in Numbers chapter 12, his own, Moses' own brother and sister became uh, against him. They, they became insurrectionists, as it were, and they, they, they uh, surprised him. And their kernels didn't pop that day when the heat was applied, and it became disastrous. And then we come today to Numbers chapter 13, and it is the most pivotal moment in the journey of the Israelites for the great majority of them because it was at this intersection that God decided that every male above 20 years old would not make it into the promised land based on the popping or the non-popping of their popcorn in this moment. And I think we can learn from it, and I think we can allow the Bible to uh, help calibrate and navigate transitions because my guess is that the majority of us are going through one or more in this time, in this chapter, perhaps in this paragraph, perhaps in this sentence of our life. There are times when the Word of God will, will challenge us and say, hey, be careful. Be careful. And it kind of looks ahead of us like, a, like a, a sign that says bridge out ahead or detour. And, and the Word of God s- serves as kind of this, this compass and a, and a warning signal. So we begin then in Numbers chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 27. If you have your Bible, uh, I'd invite you to take it out. We'll be hovering right here today in Numbers 13, or you might have a Bible app on your device, or otherwise the the verses of the Bible will be up on the screen. This is a time where God had instructed Moses to gather one representative spy, so to speak, to do some intel to go into the promised land undercover, to look at the lay of the land, to look at the produce, the agriculture, to look at what they would be facing as far as uh, militarily and, and strategically and just come back and give the report. I'll remind us that it was a promised land. That means it wasn't a hoped for land, hope we get it for land, or boy, I wish this works out. It really was a promised land. God was not asking them to determine whether or not they would land there. They were going to land there. That was God's promise, and he wasn't going to back off of that. So the 12 spies, because there were 12 tribes, one representative for each tribe, were sent over, and they all came back, and they began to give this report. They gave Moses this account in Numbers 13, 27. We went into the land to which you sent us, and in fact, it does flow with milk and honey, just like God said. And here is its fruit. And they had brought back on poles some of the, the, the produce. And man, it looked better than anything they had ever seen before. Too bad the, the report didn't stop right there. But they were being realistic, as I think I would. And they said, but, verse 28, the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. These were enemies of God's people, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along Jordan. 
So they were giving this report. Hey, man, things are great, flowing with milk and honey. Here's the produce. And just take a look at it. You can touch and feel, smell it, smell it and eat it, and, and, and it's just wonderful. But just being realistic, it's not going to be a walk in the park. At this point, if you were to have your Bible open and look in the next verse, verse 30, Caleb stood up, and it says he silenced the people and said, hey, before this goes any further, I just want to let you know that God has given us this land, and he will give it to us. But then what happens is that we see four characters in the story. We see four characters in the story here, four types of, of uh, things that happen to us, who we will become sometimes in transitions. And as this story unfolds, you might ask yourself, am I being this? And before there's any guilt trip laid, let me say that I have played gloriously every, every role that you're about to see. The first one is the coward. The first one is the coward. Watch this. In verse uh, 31, in uh, Numbers 13, the men who had gone up said, we cannot attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. So now we've gone from a realistic report to an exaggerated report. If you don't know what an exaggerated report is, you just watch any news channel of left or right. It's, uh, that, that's what exaggerated reports are. So they exaggerated this b- bad report among the land they explored. And they said, the land that we explored devours the living in it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't devour them, but it sounded good. And it really, it was scintillating. Devours them. And then all the people there we saw are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. In other words, we saw ourselves suddenly and, uh, as, as teeny, and we looked the same as they thought we were teeny. Now, if you're standing there and you're listening to this report, I don't, even if you're the most heroic person, you're going to become a coward. Because here's some things, some principles I want to I show to you. There is a principle of ignoring something with every role. And so here's the first one. Cowards ignore the God of the past. When I'm being cowardly, I somehow completely ignore what God has done in the past. When we are faced with a transition and the difficulty of a transition, it is never our strength. It is never, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can win the battle. I don't think I can win this transition. I don't think that I can overcome because it's true, all of those things, that most of the difficult transitions in our life is true that we ourselves cannot do it, but the God who has gotten us through in the past can and will get us through in the future. It doesn't matter if he makes all the things perfect, but he can get us through it. Life is not going to always turn out perfect. All the gears are not going to perfectly align, but God will be there. Tomorrow might be your worst day, but God will be there. This is the promise that we have, and if our expectation is that, number one, we can overcome anything, we'll fail and become cowardly, and number two, if it's just going to work out all perfectly, we also will fail and we'll run because we're like, things are not working out like I thought they were. The promise is that God 
had revealed to them himself over and over and over to say, I can be trusted. Even in the next chapter, Numbers chapter 14, the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed among them? I was like, come on. I will be there for you. Why? Because I was there for you yesterday. Show of hands. How many would say God was there for you in the past? Show of hands. Come on. Now, when we come together as a church, we've come to worship, we've come to hear the word, but we've come to encourage one another. And just by the show of hands saying, yes, God has been with me in the past, even if you can't find him today because your emotions are clouding his presence, we hold on to the fact that God has been there in the past. When I'm being a coward, I ignore that. Cowards ignore the God of the past. Then look what happens. In Numbers chapter uh, 14 and verse uh, 1, that night all the people of the community raised their voice and they wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against the lightning rods, the leaders, Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if we had only died in Egypt or in this desert. The second beautiful role that happens in a transition, you love it, I love it, it's the critic. Critics, I'll say this about when we're being critics, critics ignore the context of the present. Let me break it down because it is, well, pardon the pun, critically important. (laughs) There's so often when we are in this transition, things heat up unexpectedly because that's how things heat up, always unexpectedly. And so often we say, we start to look at this desert. Like, it's hot out here. Yep, it's a desert. It's sandy out here. There's not enough food. Yep, it's a desert. We're not in a shopping mall. We're not in the food court. And what happens to us is our emotions sometimes cause us to microscopically look at this little pixel and we miss the entire painting. And our criticism often comes when we are looking at the little pixel and we forget, like, sure, we're in a transition. We understand that. We understand things are not working perfectly. We understand that things that they're not normally are. We understand that we're out of rhythm, that there's a couple tires off the highway. We understand all of these things because of the context of what's happening right now. Does that make sense? When we become critical, it's, it's very difficult for us to give Moses and Aaron or your boss or your spouse, or your parents, I have a couple teenagers, the benefit of the bigger picture. The benefit of the bigger picture. I'm thirsty. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, because we haven't been to a gas station yet. I'm tired. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, because we had to get up early. I understand that. That's the bigger picture. There's always challenges in the pixel. But God says, hey, Don't criticize the pixel. Stand back and look at the bigger picture. Then the pixel makes sense, see? 
What they were looking at was right here and right now. I don't like this little spot right here. And all of a sudden, they became critical of Moses and Aaron. If they were just stood by and like, hey, you know, it's not perfect right now. And that's okay. They become critics. Here's the next one. Watch this. In Numbers chapter 14 of verse 3. Why is the Lord bringing us, I've underlined that for us, bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children would be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose another leader and go back to Egypt. Here's the third role. Consumers. Consumers. So let's review. Cowards ignore the God of the past. Critics ignore the, the context of the present. And consumers ignore the goals of the future. Because when I'm being a consumer, it's all about me and it's all about right now. I want it right now. I don't have it right now. And when they began to see, like, forget the promised land, we're not getting it right now. And I would say to us, here's the thing about being a consumer. When it's about us and we want our way and we don't have our way and it used to be our way and now we don't have it our way and all those things, consumers, you know what consumers become? Consumers become deserters. When we don't get it, man, I'm out of here. I just, boy, I've had it, right? You just want to just, just, uh, just walk away from the whole thing because we're not getting what we want right now. Okay, these are three negative things. Did I take your good day and just take it to a bad day? You're like, man, this is a real bummer. But there is a fourth role, and this is what God calls us to. And this is, this is, this is an important conversation because life is not all rosy, and we're sometimes unpopped popcorn, and we, we can anticipate that. And so these things, they may seem a little bit negative, but they do give us that detour warning. Before I get to the last one, it would be good for us to ask ourselves, it'd be good for you to ask yourself, hey, Am I ignoring the God of the past? Am I so freaked out right now in this moment, in this chapter, that what God is calling me to this morning is to forget my emotions, to understand that we are in a context that is very difficult, and I'm going to trust God because he can be trusted. I can't trust myself. I can't trust my own ability, my skill, just like Billy said this morning, my own skill, my own smartness, and all those things but I'm going to trust God. Because when all the leaves have blown off the tree, God is still there. When the day turns dark, God is still there. When things seem so clouded and and you can't see an inch in front of your face, God can and he's still there. When God sent out the disciples, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and lo, I will be with you until the end. God is always there, maybe. Today, you would say, gosh, that's me. I, I, am, I am scared right now. And I would love to tell you, as, as the pastor of this church, that I face every intersection with great courage. I don't. There have been many nights where I'm like, God, I don't know if I can do this. And God says, yep, you're right. I can. God, I'm freaked out by this. I know that. I understand. Trust in me. Maybe today you're like, man, I tell you what, I, I feel like I am a critic, that that's my first move. Let me tell you, I'm I'm the first one. I know, you know, when I'm a critic, I call myself a realist. So just quit fooling yourself. You're not a realist, you're a critic. 
My life is real enough. I don't need any more of your realness, and, and you don't either. And maybe you might just say, I need to back up. The, the, God is saying to me, I need to back up. I'm being far too critical at this little pixel, at this little intersection. Maybe it's something relational for you. Maybe you just have had something happen in your life that maybe you've gotten a report back. Maybe you're about to lose your job. And you're looking at this and you're criticizing why it happened and criticizing yourself and all that. And God says, no, there's a bigger picture here, I promise. You may not be able to see it, but relieve yourself, relieve yourself of having to criticize. And maybe you're a consumer and, and God knows that we live in a culture of consumerism. Maybe, maybe you have no, you can't see in the distance and all you're, you're seeing right now is what you want. And God would say, I, don't, I didn't call you to that. I didn't call you to, to just get it for yourself. This is not what this is about. It's not about you. You have to look at a bigger picture. Okay, here's, here's, the, here's the last one. Watch happen, what happens. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 6, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, they were among those who explored the land. They tore their clothes. It was, a, it was a sign of grief. And they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. The entire community had freaked out. If you're on a, if you're on a sports team, if you're in the military, you know that this is, this is, the, the, this is the worst thing that can happen for somebody to freak everybody else out. And he, these guys come in and say, it's exceedingly good, guys. This is the bigger picture. It's exceedingly good. The land we pass through and explore is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And it will give it to us. Only to not, do not rebel. Don't be critical against the Lord. And don't be afraid. Don't be a coward of the people of the land because it will swallow us up. Their protection is gone. The Lord will be with us. Notice that he didn't say it was going to be easy. He didn't say that. If you look in the book of Joshua, they had battles. And in battles, people lose their lives and they're playing, they're playing a very high-stake game. He never said it was going to be easy. He said the Lord will be with us. Don't be afraid because... The, of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Let's review. Cowards ignore the God of the past. Critics ignore the, the context of the present. Consumers ignore the goals of the future. Watch this. Here's the last one. Contributors. Contributors ignore themselves. Contributors ignore themselves. We are called, listen carefully, to a kingdom. Now, I know we don't use that word in our everyday language. So let me use the word movement. We are, we are called to a movement of God. That movement of God is never about us. That was proven with Moses. Moses. The whole ringleader of this, this thing that God chose, he didn't even make it in. Why? Because it wasn't about Moses. It wasn't about the story of Moses. It was about the story of God. 
God's, you know, when, and then God showed up to, to um, Joshua, and God, he said to God, are you for us against us? Neither. I'm about the movement of God on this earth. Contributors forget about their wants, forget about their criticism, forget about that and say, I am going to contribute to the movement of God. That's why God put you on this earth. And I know, oh, I know, oh, I know how difficult that is. Our mind plays films, our emotion plays the symphony of music that wells us up. Our culture calls us to consume and in order to be a contributor, we must find ourselves at the foot of the cross and surrender ourselves. It got the best of me this week. I couldn't stand not knowing why some kernels don't pop. So I went to the expert, Mr. Google. Anybody know why, why popcorn pops in the first place? There's moisture. Somebody said it. There's moisture in each kernel. And when you put enough heat on that moisture, the moisture then expands inside that casing and it executes as it was designed. The kernels that don't pop have one thing that they're missing. Moisture. Moisture. Here's, here's, my, here's my thought for us as we leave today. Often, we put ourselves or we find ourselves in a transition or a situation where there, there's something that's been heated. Who we will be often is determined by who we were. If we are walking with Christ now, you might not be in a transition, but I promise you one is coming. And the living water of Christ is welling up and we're in for in rhythm. What happens is that we now can face what's going to, to, to come to us. We can face that because Christ is living and working inside of us. When I become dry and I'm not walking with Christ, I can almost guarantee this kernel is not going to pop. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. I have a medical thing coming up this week, and they said drink water after water after water, and that's all the details you're about to get. <laughs> and don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because if you have enough water in your system, this is what they said, it's going to make things a lot easier for you when you get there. If you have water in your system and Christ is flowing and you're in rhythm with God, that when we get to that transition, we're most likely to ignore ourselves, to illuminate Christ, and then we will be contributors to his movement on earth. So the question, I guess, is not maybe only... Who will you be in a transition, but will you pop or not as you've been designed? Let me pray with you. Father, we, we thank you for your word because it serves so many purposes, God. And there are times where we need to be comforted for sure.
There are times where we need to be encouraged. There are times where we need to be challenged. There are times, God, when we need to be warned. There's not a single person sitting in this room today, God, that, that does not go through a transition. Some of them are more brutal than others. And who we are now and what, what we're drinking now matters when it comes. Our rhythm, God, in your word, our rhythm in our walk with you matters now, God, but it will also matter tomorrow when the unexpected heat comes. So, Father, thank you for reminding us, perhaps even giving us a detour and some self-examination this morning, as you compassionately do. Perhaps we're running, perhaps we're scared, perhaps we're, we're living the most scared, scaredest, frightful moment, chapter of our life right now. God, we're reminded that you have been so faithful, not only in our lives, but all through history. Doesn't mean that the circumstances are gonna change, God, but it means you will always be there. God, I pray for those who are scared today. I pray you'll remind them. I pray the Holy Spirit, even in this moment, will comfort and remind them, encourage them, that you can be counted on and have always. God, I pray for those that may be just caught right in the, in the circumstances and their, and their thinking is just, it gravitates toward what's happening right in this moment. And perhaps it's been a little unsettling today to maybe realize there's some criticism going on which just as always leads in an unhealthy ending. So God, maybe today there would be compassion to see a bigger picture, to respect that boss, that spouse, that parent, to respect you, God. So often we cry, God, why is this happening? Help us to stand back and know that all things work for the good of those who love you and are called, God, according to your purpose. Father, our culture just is steeped in consumerism. What's good for me? What's in it for me? And perhaps some, somewhere along the line, God, there's somebody who's forgotten a promise, a goal. They're stuck right here, God, and, and they just want it the, the way they want it. And and that's tough to get out only, only by the power of God, you, God, that you can give us a bigger picture. At the end of the day, Father, you have charged us to have the same mind in ourselves, the same thinking, the same spirit, the same attitude as was in Christ Jesus, to empty ourselves of ourselves, God. And that can only happen at one location in the entire world on the entire planet, and that is at the foot of, of the cross of Jesus. So God, we take a deep breath. We find ourselves in front of Jesus again. We say, God, take us. 
take our self, take our fear, take our criticism, take our consumerism, God, take, take that self right now. We surrender to you, God. We surrender to you. Finally, Father, we pray for those who have come looking today. They might have thought they're looking for religion, they're looking for a church, but they're really looking for you, God. And, and this talk about living water may be uh, something new, but God, you remind us today that we were created, we were made, the reason we're here is to have a relationship with you. And Father, that, that can't happen in our current status because we are broken, we are imperfect and can't come before you as a perfect God. And, and, and you know how we try, God, with good behavior and rituals and all the things that we put together. But you remind us today that that effort is worthless. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, laying yourself on a cross as a perfect Lamb of God, shedding your blood, giving your blood to wash every sin so that we might come imperfect and be made perfect through Christ and not ourselves. Is that you today? Have you come looking for God? Christ died for you. Christ gave his life for you. Christ laid his life on the cross even if you were the only person living on the earth. This is not religion. This is all about having a customized relationship, a personal walk, a, a real relationship with God. And maybe you've been depending on yourself and God invites you today to give up, to surrender and say, I want you, God, today. I want to depend completely on Christ and not myself. I accept your offer. I accept Christ. And I exchange my old life, God, for the new one that you can give in me. Is that your prayer? Is that something in your own raw language, your heart language, that you would whisper to God right now? God is listening. God is waiting. Father, thank you so much. We end this day as we began. We come to the altar, God. We come to the altar. Whether we are searching for you, we're finding you, we're, we've been walking with you, God, we all come to the altar to lay ourselves down so that the movement that you have purposed will continue, God, and we can contribute to that movement. We love you, God. We love you. We love you. We love you. And we need you so desperately. We pray these things in the name of Jesus.